This is Michael Bailey, and you're listening to The Long Box Crusade. You're listening to a very special episode of The Long Box Crusade. We're celebrating our two-year anniversary. With this episode is episode 16, featuring G.I. Joe and the Transformers, number two, from December 1986. Hit it! Say for the two-year anniversary, we replaced with Rob Bass. It takes two. It takes two to make a thing go right. Yeah. 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 It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. I'm on a rock right now. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. I, I can't I can't I mean, anyway, just stay with me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Longbox Crusade, a podcast where each episode a random cover date and year is chosen and then an issue is selected from the over 20 plus longboxes that have been collected over the last 40 years and stashed away in my basement. Then each host will bring an issue from their longbox from the random date and year to find out what's in your longbox. Each episode we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issues, ads, and events in that time period. But... This is a very special Longbox Crusade episode. This episode, we are celebrating the two-year anniversary of the Longbox Crusade. That's right, folks. Two years ago, on June 7th, the Longbox Crusade had its first episode of just me talking to myself. Kind of like I'm doing right now. Because everybody else is on mute. Ah, I'm off mute to laugh at your joke. <laughs> ah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Since then, we have definitely grown here at the Longbox Crusade Studios. We had to make a few extra rooms and offices for our other hosts. With that, let me introduce you to them. First on the list is the one, the only, Jared, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. Tonight. I celebrate my love for you. Happy anniversary, Pat. I'm proud to be here on the two-year anniversary of the show. Thanks for having me back. You could have kicked me off a long time ago. Yeah, I could have. I should have. I have those Could have, should have, would have. Those photos will keep me on the show forever. (laughs) I'm glad you like them. Hopefully you get them framed. (laughs) You're the one being framed. Oh, hey Hey. (laughs) Blackmail is fun. (laughs) And also joining us is Jason Albrecht, the Weasel Skull. Happy anniversary, two years. It's gone by in the blink of an eye. Probably not to you since you had us on there, but but at any rate, so I have a couple people here that also wanted to say a few words. Mr. Connery, well... Happy anniversary, Pat. You Nancy boys have somehow managed to go two years, and people still listen to your crap. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. In fact, Mr. Connery, you promised that you would say some nice things. 
Yeah, you're good, laddies. It's happy hour at the bar. I'm out of here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Connors. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Connery. That was really nice. And here's someone that needs no introduction. She'd mm. like to say a few words. Oh, I, I'm, I'm anxious to hear them. Hey. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jay. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Please don't finish this song. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Mr. Patterson, <laughs> happy birthday to you. And the test came back negative. <laughs> you did that to go. All right. Enough of that, MJ. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you, MJ. Thanks, MJ. Appreciate all that. right. That's all. Oh, <laughs> wow. How exciting. Well, let's go over to our other host and see what he has for us from the dark web. Delvin? Hold on, hold on. I mean, everybody else had something to add, so I have to add something too, right? That's up to you. Just your presence. So, so the answer, the answer clearly is yes, because yes, I can yes, be left no. behind. I, I would say I just, yes. Just your yes. presence is here is well enough for me, Delvin. Oh, that, that's that's so sweet. But you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll add a little song too from good old Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, anniversary tomorrow will come and girl i can't wait it's our anniversary it's our anniversary the first thing i'll do is run straight to you it's our anniversary anniversary it's our anniversary okay that's good oh thank you i, I went i went and looked up lyrics you know, in the time that we heard from Sean Connery and Scary Jane, Mary, Mary <laughs> Scary Jane. So, yes, I hope that you appreciate my gift for uh, the two-year anniversary. Oh, I do. I definitely do. Magical, I... it's magical in the studio tonight. Mm-hmm. But can you feel it? Can you smell it? I can believe it. <laughs> feel it. Smell it. Make it believe it. Oh, we're going to do it live here, folks, tonight on the second anniversary of the Longbox Crusade. We do appreciate everybody that has listened and made this show what it is. We uh, definitely do <laughs> that appreciate sounded it. sounded just a little depressing. <laughs> show what it what is. What it is. <laughs> 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 I think reality just hit that. Like, yeah. This is what I intended it to be two years ago. And it this was is just, what it is. Yeah. It was me just two years ago, and I was doing fine. I thought I was going to be all right. And next thing I know, I get this guy named Jarrett Albrecht, the yard sale artist. And it all went to hell from there. <laughs> so yeah. many stories that end with that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> then I ran into Jarrett after that. The rest of the night, I don't remember what happened. <laughs> no cop? You know, uh, uh, mm. Whoa, 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 watch out. <laughs> oh, what? Huh? What? Let's keep going. All right. With that, why don't we see what crusade everybody is on? Let's get to that. So let's go ahead and start with Jason. 
Ooh, mixing it up. Well, I think for me, the big crusade I'm looking forward to is getting out to Charlotte and linking up with you guys and actually meeting Pat face to face for the first time. I envision it to be like the end of Die Hard when Bruce Willis, you know, John McClane meets up with Al outside (laughs) after they've been been in contact on the radio the whole time and they see each other for the first time. That's how I envision it. Who's got the Twinkies? That's right. (laughs) None of us can eat the Twinkies. Well, I guess Delvin gets the Twinkies. Yay! I can still eat Twinkies. Who who else loves Hostess Cakes? I do. No. No. But I can't have them. Who else do we know Uh that loves Hostess Cakes? I don't know. (laughs) I thought we closed the door. (laughs) Mary Jane's back in studio. Who said (laughs) ho-hos? Yeah, well, we should have a fun time. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, We will be all at Heroes Con. So if you want to rub elbows with us, come out there and see us. Elbows, uh, we are right. elbows. That's what they call it, right? When you're schmoozing with the... Yeah, yes. I just want to be very clear that the only thing we're rubbing is elbows. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, unless we need money for some comics. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on our financial situation. What happens at Heroes Con? Right. Heroes Con. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Might find a good piece <laughs> of art or something out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. Meeting everybody on the, this Crusade crew for the first time actually live that should be a fun time hopefully we can all get along and stick together i know me and delvin are gonna make it (laughs) you got a 20 year investment here man (laughs) sad part is my own brother's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) now yeah jared and i have been through a lot together (laughs) let's see what delvin's crusade is I have an interesting crusade, at least I I hope it's interesting. I will be watching a NASCAR event for the very first time on Saturday. Live? Do that. That Live. I will be watching it live. There, uh, Charlotte is a home for, um, there's a Charlotte Motor Speedway here, and there are all sorts of NASCAR events that go on. That said, I probably never would have gone to one, but... I was offered by uh, my mentor at work, and he said he asked, would I like to uh, come to the Bank of America box that they have and go watch the NASCAR event? It is the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series annual all-star race. What makes this different is that it's going to be like a shorter race than normal. 100 laps is what I was told. And they restart after every 25 laps, and the first-place winner wins one million dollars oh wait excuse me 80 lap special excuse me 80 laps so this isn't something that happens every now so like they're going to be going all out 21 drivers going all out to uh try to win one million dollars so yeah i've never watched nascar before so i'm, I'm interested in uh checking it out and that is my cool. crusade that's super cool um, man I'm jealous. do you have that a does, like that's not kind of neat do you have like a car that you like no i'm not coming in rooting for anyone you know just watching cars go in a circle zoom zoom zoom, zoom, zoom. Uh, but if i get there early enough i have an opportunity to like go through the garages and see the cars up close and stuff so i might get there early oh, and cool. check that out i mean because how many chances do you get a you know, time you get a chance to do something like that yeah that's very cool that's super cool man. Fun. i used to i wouldn't say i liked nascar but the only car i liked was uh when they had that cartoon network car oh yeah 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 
I liked it just because they, you know they had characters on there. Well, when they did the Scooby Doo one, I got a Cartoon Network racing one like that for when they had the racing car one. So nice. I got a hat like that. That's cool. I remember when that, they did the race where the Batman raced the Joker. They did a Batman car and a Joker car. That's pretty cool. Who won? You know, I don't know. I have the little scale models of the cars, but I don't know who won. I should like look that up on some sort of online, you know, information repository. If I, re- if I remember right, the uh, Batmobile lost its wheels. Yeah, <laughs> and the Joker got away. <laughs> oh, oh, glorious, glorious idiot! <laughs> very, very well done there. <laughs> Oh, with that, let's see what Jared's crusade. Right now, my crusade, not terribly original. I think I bring this chestnut out every once in a while. I am just inking, man. I'm inking uh, the first book that is about to come out, Cold Lightning. Dang, we started that about a year and a half ago. It's finally coming out. So all those people who, who backed the GoFundMe on that one, your time is finally coming, folks. Cold Lightning, I think, actually finished today. The letterer turned in the last pages. So that'll be going to print soon. Oh, Uh, exciting. I am currently inking Cold Lightning 2. I'm currently inking my new book, Francisco Stein Gunslinger. And I just got hit up from Mr. Van Allen Plexico to ink another book that he did. So it's like ink, ink, and some more ink. So that's my crusade right now, man, throwing these inks down. Cold Lightning 2. Is that uh, Cold Lightning 2, Electric Boogaloo? Yes, that is the official subtitle. Ah, uh, okay. Lightning 2. Electro- Electric- two is a very important number to, to this episode, though. Yeah, it is. That is true. That's what oh, we should call this podcast. I would like to say two-year anniversary. Electric Every- Boogaloo. Everybody, Electric Boogaloo. Everybody try to throw a number two in at some point tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Drop a deuce. <laughs> Who does number two work for? <laughs> That's right. You show that turd who's boss. <laughs> yeah, that's what's uh, up, man. Just inks, inks, inks. Very cool. Looking forward to seeing that. Thanks, Pat, we haven't heard from you yet, sir. No, oh, we well, have well, not. Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what I've been doing. What kind of crusade I'm on? I'm on a crusade, and I have Jared is helping me out with this as well, too. I'm on a crusade to get my editing all done so we can get more shows out, more content to the people. That's my platform this year is more content for the people. For the people. I'm for the vote, peoples. Voting for Pat. Yep. Putting the content out there. Let's do that. So, yep, we've been working on dusting off a lot of recordings that we have done over the last year or one more. Of, one of them was, I think, 18 <laughs> months old. <laughs> that will be coming out soon. So then we can have some content out there. I think, Jared, we decided that some of these episodes will come out in a different format or what we're calling them the lost episodes yeah we're going to release a couple of lost episodes some stuff that we recorded a year ago we got some stuff from honestly folks 14 15 does, months ago does that include your video game episode is that ever coming out yep yes is, uh, we got a that's a little teaser for you we got a video game episode coming out we got one where we're talking about movies these are all things that we've you know sort of like pilot episodes that we did some samples of to see if we liked them and we figured you know why not put out some more content give the listeners some behind the scenes on ideas we've had and let them weigh in on the ideas and see what they think and we had fun making them so hopefully they'll have fun listening one of them is even delvin's first time around delvin's first friend. ever podcast is one of them you do have to try out new ideas you know i i had an idea you know you put crackers in the tuna fish <laughs> <laughs> call star kiss <laughs> sorry charlie <laughs> 
So, yep, that's what I've been doing. So hopefully, folks, you will be able to hear that as we get that stuff edited out and out to you to enjoy and have fun with us. That's my crusade over the last month here. Been trying to do a lot of editing. So why don't we get into the next part of the show here? But before we do that, we want to invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter by the handle at Longbox Crusade. We hope you come along with us on this crusade to find out what's in your longbox. Now, before we get started with this episode's issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show. We'll be right back. Night falls on the great halls of Frenzywood. Chris and Jerry read this week's comics with a sense of terror and foreboding. Which books will they enjoy, and which will unsettle them with an eerie mood striking into their very souls? They work their way through the rare and mysterious tomes to find those worthy of your attention. A knock comes to the door, bringing something strange and otherworldly that no one has ever seen before. It's the Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. If you like indie comics and also like podcasts, please try the Professor Frenzy Show. Find the show in iTunes search and Facebook. Episodes tweeted out on at Professor Frenzy on Twitter. Thank you. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get started with this show's first segment called What's in Your Long Box? But because this is the second anniversary, what we decided to do is everybody will bring a number two. (laughs) (laughs) We are boys. Everybody will bring a number two issue from their long box. So let's see what issue number two Devlin has from his long box. Okay. The issue that I have is Fantastic Four versus the X-Men 2. And I went to Fandom, powered by Wikia, to get a synopsis for it. And I have it up. So here goes. The pleasure's all mine because we have seen our... Oh, wait, no, that's anniversary. Never mind. I got it. <laughs> Take that down there. Okay. In all seriousness, it's a long synopsis, so I'll go through, like, a synopsis of the synopsis. <laughs> Sounds it, good. I mean, a lot happened in this one freaking issue. Like, and I didn't get the issue out itself, and so I want to know, is this an extra size issue? Because, my goodness. So there was an old journal that Sue Richards found that revealed that Reed Richards had apparently intentionally sent the Fantastic Four up to get mutated. So there's huge drama with the Fantastic Four. Then there's huge drama with the X-Men because... Because of that, Reed Richards had doubt about whether or not he should like be doing anything. And so he had this molecular bonder device that could potentially save Kitty Pride's life because her life was somehow threatened in issue one. But he didn't want to use it. So the X-Men got mad about that. And so they started fighting in Fantastic Four. So they had a huge brouhaha. Jared would be mad because Storm got hurt. She was burned by uh, Johnny Storm. Um, I I will give you a few seconds to mutter any curse words right now, Jared. Johnny Storm, burnt. I don't like it. If she's going to get burnt, it's going to be by what I give to her. You know what? Let's just keep going. What? Uh, (laughs) So 
what winds up happening then is after more conflict, the X-Men decided that they were presented the uh, offer to save Kitty Pride by Dr. Doom, who said he'd do it for no price whatsoever. The Fantastic Four warned them against that, saying, hey, uh, you can't deal with him. That's like making a deal with the devil. But ultimately, at the end of the episode, well, Storm was going to make the uh, decision by herself to go save Kitty. But the X-Men said, nope, we're going to do this as a team. So they were going to go to Dr. Doom to hopefully have Kitty Pryde be saved. And that was the end of a pretty drama-filled issue of Fantastic Four versus the X-Men. Very good. Wait, I should probably give some credits, right? To Yeah, I was just going to ask you, do you know what year this one came out? I do. It came out in March 1987. So, oh, okay. wow, that's 31 years ago now. Goodness gracious. Uh, yep, 31 years ago. The uh, writer was Chris Claremont. Pencils were done by John Bogdanov. The inker was Terry Austin. The colorist was Glennis Oliver. The letterer, Tom Orzechowski. And the editors were Ann Nocenti and Don Daly, with editor-in-chief James Shooter. Pew, 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 pew. And that will be the credits. Very good. Did anybody else have read this one? I have. You have? I have as well. I have not. So I've, I don't think I've ever heard of this one. Yeah, sounds I, interesting. I have all of it, and I'm trying to remember. You know, Jared has gifted me a decent amount of comics, and I'm wondering if he gifted me this set of four, and I think he may have. May have. Yeah, Jason and I had this one when we were kids. I've read it dozens of times. I did the homework real quick whilst you were chatting, and it's only got one extra page. It's a 23-page book, 24 including cover, and I do well, remember it was on, like, it was like a almost a prestige format, like Baxter paper style when it came out. They did it nice. As we well know, 23 pages of a Chris Claremont book is approximately 10,843 words. <laughs> That's right. It's basically War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he got his money's worth in that extra page, I have no doubt. We love you, Mr. Claremont. We actually do. You're a legend, dude. Well, anybody have anything else on this one before we move on? Like I said, I got a lot of childhood memories from it. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was really cool that that was a sort of a major plot reveal for the Marvel Universe, that Reed Richards actually planned for them to get powers, to get mutated by going up, which really ticked off the thing, obviously, because he doesn't want to be what he is. And I just remember that somehow by the end of the series, they backpedaled on that, and I felt a little cheated by that. I was yeah, like, it was discussed a little bit in this issue that it may or may not have been completely true, but they had every reason to suspect that Reed would have done it at this point. And so they were very upset with him. I just remember one panel out of that book that I really liked during the fight was Wolverine was getting held back or something and he kicks Reed Richards in the jaw and like Reed Richards jaws like all stretched out yes. to one side from the kick it was a really cool looking panel have they done any other ones the Fantastic Four versus the X-Men other issues they did, they did Avengers versus the X-Men in this fandom thing they have a they call it Fantastic Four versus the X-Men volume one so let me do a little bit of looking and see if there's going to be a Fantastic Four versus uh, X-Men Volume 2. Two. I didn't think there was, but I'll give it a quick look. All right. So, Jason, while we wait to see if there was another series or volume of Fantastic Four versus the X-Men, let's find out what was in Jason's long box. What's your number two from, a, from your long box? 
<laughs> Pat, I chose Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars issue number two. In this issue of the Marvel Mega Event, the villains launch an attack against the heroes only to be beaten and repelled thanks to the leadership of Captain America. The disheartened villains agree to serve under the leadership of Doctor Doom and Magneto has plans of his own. He infiltrates the hero's base and kidnaps the Wasp. The issue ended with Galactus on the hero's monitor, and they're all watching him as he's charging up to consume the planet. And that ends issue number two. High drama, high tension, lots of action. Written by Jim Shooter. Illustrated. Very good. Illustrated by Mike Zek with inks by Juan Biotti. <laughs> Friend of the show, Juan Biotti. Friend of the show, Juan Biotti. So that was mine came out in i think it was june 1984 when that issue came out yep june 84 very cool anything special about the particular issue in your long box well that issue along with every other of the 12 issue series has been autographed by mr juan biotti Mike Zek and Jim Shooter. Thanks to <laughs> the, <laughs> thanks to the the sweet talking of my brother, which was a a cool birthday present. I oh. am the greatest. I set myself up for a compliment. Yes, as you always do. <laughs> Hurtful but accurate. <laughs> that is very cool to have all all twelve are signed. Yes, all twelve are signed, wow. including the highly coveted issue number eight. Was that the uh, first uh, appearance of the Black Spidey costume? It was indeed, yes. Hello, we know it. You know, Juan, Juan Biotti told me that in release time that it was actually an issue of a, maybe it was Amazing Spider-Man where Black Costume actually came out first and then like a week or two later that number eight came out. So in release time it was an Amazing Spider-Man, but in storyline time it's in Secret, Secret Wars. Wars. Nice. Mm, interesting. Did he say why? Or is just how the... Uh... I don't really listen when he talks a lot, so you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> no, I think it was just a scheduling thing, you know, yeah. when the books had to ship. Interesting. That's interesting. Behind the scene, the secrets the of scene. the secret wars. That's what we I'll get tell- from friend of the show, Juan Biotti. Yeah. Gives us the yeah. inside scoop. I'll tell you one of the things that, was, uh, that I was talking with my comic dealer today is in current comic book goings on kitty pride and colossus are finally getting hitched and so there's a it's a big event at marvel and there's crossover books and stuff like that going on and i i was remembering back and i don't remember the issue but it was during secret wars when colossus fell in love with the uh character i think her name was zaji or Zajai. i don't know Healer. Yeah, she was she was an alien healer that got caught up during that world show, and that ended up breaking up Kitty and Colossus when he came back. And there was this issue where Colossus and Wolverine are like in an Irish pub or something, and they come across Juggernaut. Juggernaut and Colossus have some words, and they start this big barroom brawl. And Wolverine refuses to help them during the whole fight, and Juggernaut just beats the crap out of Colossus. And Colossus is pissed, and he goes up to Wolverine, and he's like, we're supposed to be teammates, you're supposed to have my back, how could you let that happen? And Wolverine says, well, now you know how Kitty feels. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. (laughs) 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 Cold-blooded. 
life lesson. Yep, by the Wolverine. So I, I was thinking of that when I was reading through the Secret Wars issue again, and the current events of Colossus and Kitty Pride finally getting married. She proposed a few months back. It's definitely a big deal. Like they've done a lot to evolve their relationship. It seemed like they were more off than on, but Kitty just finally decided that yeah, this is the person I want to be with, and she proposed to him. That's right. That's right. And for the wedding issue, Chris Claremont came back to write it. Very cool. Which means it's going to be like a Catholic wedding, I guess. (laughs) Words, words, words. Slam slam the Chris Claremont and the Catholics all in one. Thanks a lot, Jason. That's and we won't get to a year three. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's funny as hell. Uh, I'm just saying both can be long winded. Well, does anybody other have any other quick thoughts on (laughs) Barrow's Secret Wars number two? Nope. No? No, no. We should cover it in full sometime and get old Juan Biotti on the show. Well, otherwise, you can listen to the Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, which is on the Pulp to Pixel podcast network. Check that out there. We have Sean. You guys may know Sean from the tweets. Twitter tweets. Sean and Greg and Dr. G. They went through the first series, which is this one, and they are currently on issue number three of The Secret Wars 2. So check out that podcast if you want a little more in-depth about Secret Wars. I definitely recommend that one. So with that, let's get into today's adventure from the long box. And kind of the last two issues, we've seen a theme here, I think. And I don't know if you guys had that come to it, but it's teams versus other teams. Yeah, it must have been or, a time and a place for versus. Yes, it's versus. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, right, right. X-Men and FF and then Secret, Secret Wars. Wars. You got a lot of wars, you know. So what two teams are squaring off in today's feature? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what's in today's featured long box issue it's gi joe and the transformers number two for our second year anniversary it's got a cover date of december 1986 let's get into some credits for this special issue the credits are provided from mike's amazing world of comics website the title is gi joe and the transformers number two published by marvel Got a cover date of December 1986, but it was on sale November 4th, 1986 for the cover price of only 75 cents. Man, I miss those days. Three shiny quarters. Man, three bucks, you could get three comics. Or no, you could almost get four. You get four comics. That's how good a math I get. Well, you're My right. You're right. Yep. You can get three. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Oh, well. Back to editor was Bob Harris. I, think. I believe, yeah. Ross. I think it's Harris. The other writer was Michael Higgins. Penciler, Herb Trimpey. Anchor, Vince Coletta. Letterer is Joseph Rosen. Colorist is Nelson Yamoto. Yom- Mine says Yom- Yamtov. Yamtov? Yeah, I think it's Yamtov. Okay, I'll go with that. Yamtov. Nelson Yamtov. If you didn't get it in a single, you could find this in a trade paperback of G.I. Joe and the Transformers that was out in 1993 if you wanted to get the whole collection. Let's take a look at the cover and some of the cover credits go to Penciler Herb Trimpey with inks by Vince Coletta. And let's take a look at that cover. And we're going to tag team this cover with Delvin and Jared. So let's start off with the description of the cover by Delvin. Okay. In the inset, we have four Decepticons looking on at a battle scene between the Joes and Cobra. The four Decepticons uh, from left to right 
are Bombshell, Dirge, Ravage, and Shockwave, all looking on and taking in the scene of battle. The scene of battle will be described by Jared. So the scene of battle that the Transformers, the evil Transformers, I think they're called Decepticons, are watching is the Joes. And they are fighting Cobras, just as Delvin said. The Joes are on the whale. They are trying to save some civilians from a sinking cruise ship as two Cobra Rattlers come in to strafe them. The Joes featured on the cover are Sergeant Slaughter, Mutt, Crankcase, and the best Joe of all time, Beachhead. Crankcase and Beachhead are returning fire at the incoming Rattlers. Not sure which one Crankcase is aiming at? <laughs> wow. Sergeant Slaughter and Mutt put the civilians on the whale. And that's what's going on with that. And back to Delvin to do what's going on across the top of the cover. So, yeah, across the top of the cover, uh, at the very top of the cover, reads in white lettering on a black background, number two in a four-issue limited series. And the title, of course, is G.I. Joe and the Transformers. G.I. Joe is in its classic G.I. Joe font with the red, white, and blue stripes at the end of it. And then it has Transformers in its classic font below that, written across the bottom. Cover marquee, you have Snake Eyes on top. And you have Bumblebee's head at the bottom. As you were just saying that, in my mind, every time I see this or think about this series, I always think of it as G.I. Joe versus the Transformers. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think I think a lot of people out there think of that as well, too, as it's versus. But it's it's not. Clearly, the title says, and the Transformers. It didn't help that they started off by killing poor Bumblebee. It's blowing my mind right now that I've always thought it was G.I. Joe versus the Transformers, you know. I did, too. And I actually even put it, like, um, when I wrote it up just on my little unofficial sheet of paper, I put G.I. Joe and the Transformers. But in my head, I still was reading it as verses. Interesting. Interesting thoughts. Let's get to see what everybody else's thoughts are about this cover. Let's start with Jason. I think the cover is pretty cool. I liked how they had the Transformers in the foreground and, and you're looking at the action as if it's on a monitor and you get to see the G.I. Joes fighting the Cobra attack jets. There's plenty of action. You've got the centerpiece with the Joes in combat. There's a lot of color while the foreground, it's heavily shaded kind of a red and black image kind of juxtaposes those two things nicely. I like it. I think it's a good piece. All right. Jared, how about you? I agree with my brother. I like the way they put a lot into the cover. Decepticons, Joes, Cobras, no Autobots, but man, there's a lot going on. It's not the most detailed cover. I think actually the Decepticons in the foreground look better than the, the Joes, but then again, Herb didn't have a lot of room to work with to cram that action scene. So he had to be real lean on the pencil work, and that shows. But otherwise, I do love a cover that really gives you a flavor for what happens in the book, and this one nails it. So it's a good cover. Delvin, how about you? Good cover. Bad day at the beach. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's for sure. I I like the classic lettering of number two in a four-issue limited series. You don't really see that anymore. They might put one of four in the issue number, maybe, but usually you don't just see that marquee across the top. And I can kind of understand why, because if you were, say, a collector of G.I. Joe and you see that and it's always a limited series, it's not the main series, maybe you don't collect it. But as far as the cover itself, I thought the Transformers were very well drawn. And I do agree with Jared that maybe there just wasn't a lot of room to draw a detailed action scene among the Joes, but it was still a good job. It was a good job done. And um, I do like the cover. 
What about you, Pat? What do you think? I like the cover a lot. It was something that caught my eye as a young child at the time. That is why I grabbed it. I do have the original issue. I grabbed off the comic stand, the local PDQ down the road from me. It shows you some of the Joes. I like the Rattlers, the Whale, and the Transformers. You know, I wasn't, I haven't read a lot of Transformers back in that time. So again, I, I wish I would have. Something I need to do. Definitely would like to go on a Transformer crusade sometime along here and and take a look at that. But I I like it. I like how the the color pops with the monitor and then the outside is just like a black and red uh, shading going on there. Yeah, pull my arm whenever you do a Transformers crusade, right? (laughs) Oh, you know it. Yeah, you'll need to take the lead because I'll I'll need to ask questions and and thoughts about uh, that. I might have the entire run of the first 80. I have to double check that. If I'm not, if I don't have the entire run, I'm just a couple issues short. Very cool. Does anybody have anything else on the cover? Otherwise, we can start to dig into the synopsis. Let's go. Let's do it. Bringing us the synopsis for this issue is Jared. Let's get into the story synopsis for G.I. Joe and the Transformers number two. Our glorious 80s crossover issue begins with the aerial bots having combined into the giant Transformer Superion. And Superion is angry because, according to an editor's note in the previous issue, the Joes inadvertently killed Bumblebee. Superion engages the Joes in combat, but his heart isn't in it. Perhaps he senses this is all a misunderstanding and that the Joes are virtuous in nature because Superion holds back and the only casualty of the battle is Lady J with a broken arm. Superion flies away in mid-battle when he learns that Optimus Prime has been assassinated. Led by Mainframe, the Joes begin to focus on rebuilding Bumblebee with the parts they have left over from his destruction. Also, Hawk attempts to pump some extra funding out of the Senate Armed Forces Committee as the relationship between him and the lovely Senator Larkin heats up. Meanwhile, at the Decepticon base, Shockwave begins taking over control of the Decepticon army from a distraught Megatron. Shockwave enacts the evil plan to steal a new mobile flight-capable power station called Power Station Alpha right out from under the Joes. Shockwave's plan is going well until Cobra forces intervene. Dr. Mindbender, under the direction of Serpentor, is also hellbent on stealing Power Station Alpha and redirects its flight path to Cobra Island. Quick cut to a state-certified, environmentally compliant Washington State farmhouse where we see Anthony Durante, a young boy who is in a near catatonic state. His mother tries to figure out what's wrong with him, unaware that the Insecticon bombshell has planted a device in her son's brain. Back to the skies en route to Cobra Island. A huge aerial battle rages between Joes and Cobras as they each try to take Power Station Alpha. The Cobras resort to dirty tactics and threaten the lives of innocents on a nearby cruise ship, so the Joes back off and the Cobras abscond with Power Station Alpha. But upon the Power Station's arrival on Cobra Island, the Decepticon Dirge appears and lets Dr. Mindbender know that the Decepticons intend to take the Power Station. But perhaps an unholy alliance between the Cobras and Decepticons can be forged. Back at the doctor's office, Anthony's mother is told by her doctor that he has found some kind of device planted in her son's brain. In the final scene, Dr. Mindbender, using a bug he plans on Dirge eavesdrops on the Decepticons' plan to use the Earth's power to re-energize their homeworld of Cybertron, and the Earth will be destroyed in the process. A lot happened in this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Three minutes and 13 seconds. It's not easy to get it down to two minutes now. Well, once I cut out my redos, it'll be under time. (laughs) Jason read the script to On Her Majesty's Secret Service in his list. How about that, uh, envir- d- d- how about that d- environmentally compliant State Farm bit I wrote just for you? Yes, that was very nice. I appreciate it. It was yes. in Washington State, so I figured you were doing your job. <laughs> of course, of course. 
all the permits are in order. Well, I did like good. how a lot of this took place at Fort Lewis. Where's that? Show, you can even show back now, Pack. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that synopsis, Jared. I appreciate that. Very well done. Why don't we get into what we think about the story? Let's start with Jason. You know, I, I was a little trepidatious going into this. I liked G.I. Joe when I was a kid. I'd always been a little, I don't know, a little reticent about G.I. Joe and Transformers crossing over. I thought that those were two streams that maybe shouldn't be crossed. And so I've never read any of the crossover events or anything like that. I remember this coming out in the 80s and I avoided it. But I, I actually liked it. I thought it was a good story. I think it blended the two worlds really well. I didn't feel like I had to know a whole heck of a lot of the backstory or the Transformers backstory to understand the motivations of the the Autobots and the Decepticons and the characters in this issue. I think the writers did a really good job of putting together a very lean plot, but plot that works and and has a a lot of ups and downs. There was, like we said, there was some romance in there. There was some action in there. There was some drama. I left the issue actually wanting to know what happens next. So I think kudos to the story writer. I think they did a good job. I enjoyed it. Delvin, how about you? Just a few notes. I am surprised that Jason didn't catch, like at the start, Sergeant Sauter was barking out something and somebody replied back, yes, sir. And I'm like, people don't say sir to sergeants. I thought maybe it was a Marine. That's the only reason why I thought, because in the Marines, they call them sir. Mm. I, but I, I don't know. I did catch that, though. I was like, oh, who are you, sir? And I work for a living. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I just, I was looking out. That's all I'm saying. You know, I was looking out. When they said Optimus Prime died, like, really? Again? Again? That's why I thought. <laughs> I, you know, I did too, to be honest. I was like, oh, that ain't going to last too long. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, let me, let me answer that, Delvin. This is a, kind of the questions I had as I was going through. Did something happen in the normal series? Does he I die? Does he come what, back? I don't know the- where they got that from, Pat, because it, it referenced, Issue 106. And I'm like, issue 106 of what? I have no idea. It's like, was was G.I. Joe on issue 106 at the time? Because yes. Transform- okay. I think it might. No. Now that you say no. that, I, I want to, didn't they have a G.I. Joe and Transformers crossover in the regular G.I. Joe series in the later issues? Probably uh, it could be in the later issues, but this, this is at the time around because they reference in here G.I. Joe 55 to find out what oh, happened to Commander. So this right. is in that area. You well, are I, absolutely right. I don't know what the heck issue 106 is then. I don't know where the heck Optimus Prime died. I don't know what they're talking about. Weird. I, I'll just say that. Weird. I thought it was also weird how they broke the story into parts. Like, there were four parts to the story, which, of course, I'm sure every story is broken down into its arcs, but those stories don't make it a point to say, okay, we're going to a new arc now, and I'm going to explain what came in the arc before that you just read. Um Michael Higgins, if I'm remembering correctly, he was a, a Marvel bullpen editor because... He did not. Did he write for GI Joe? You guys might know that. Did he ever write for GI Joe? No, not that I. Not that I know. I think GI Joe's almost exclusively been Larry. Larry Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, that's how I remember it too. But I mean, Mike? maybe like in the really end of the run or something when I, I when I tailed off, but I, I don't think so. I've done a little research here, and apparently. Optimus Prime does die in Transformers British issue number 106. Oh. The hell, man? How would 
would know that. I'm thinking you might have the British copy of G.I. Joe and the Transformers, which would explain why in Pat and I's copy it says something went down in G.I. Joe 55, which puts it right in 1987. And your copy references a British issue of 106. I wonder if there's a British copy of this issue. Hmm, interesting. Maybe. Hmm. Okay. I was just going to say, yeah, where does it say that? I never saw it in mine, so I was like, why do uh, we not see it, but Delvin sees it? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, they reference 106, and yeah, I guess that will do it. And just an interesting note about Michael Higgins, like I remember his name being, you know, as a Marvel bullpen editor, and that's weird. He didn't write for G.I. Joe ever because there was Larry Hama, and he didn't write for Transformers. Because that was mainly Bob Budiansky, I believe. And then it went to Simon Furman. So I don't know why they got Michael Higgins to write this book. It almost seems like this whole idea was just a brainstorm of the Marvel bullpen. That is, that's my guess. So they wanted to mix the peanut butter and the chocolate yeah. together. I was going to ask that question too. It's just like, and you can tell it in the writing that you have them calling each other different names or Lady J's referring to Hawk as General. You know, in the normal J.I. Joe's, they don't refer him as General. They, you know, they call him Hawk or General Hawk or whatever. I found that weird when I was reading through this. I'm like, that's just, just weird. It just doesn't seem the normal writing style that I'm used to from the Joe's. Yep. And that's because it wasn't and I was gonna, that, you know? I was going to ask you, the reverse of that, do you feel like this is a Transformers style? No and yes, in that I would say the writing may have been like slightly hokey. But like to me, I thought even though the plot was good, sometimes just Higgins transitions to the next scenes, they came across yeah. as hokey a little bit. And and it, it, he didn't do himself many favors by breaking the book down into parts like he did. That almost seems like he didn't trust his own writing okay. for people to follow it. I got to interject here. Do you physically have, like, this is part one, this is part two? In your yes. Book? Okay, so you are definitely reading a British thing, because ours is uh, split into parts. Oh. Yeah, I was wondering what he was talking about there, too. Yeah, me too. Okay. So now you got to do the rest of the episode, British accent. Go! <laughs> no, I, I, I do a crap British accent, so I'm going to spare everybody. Hawk said, crikey! Oh, wait, that's Australian. <laughs> Since I've oh. talked a little bit long, even though we've generated some discussion, I'll try to wrap up very, very quickly. A lot did happen, but somehow the action still felt kind of slow. I did think Serpentor overall had a pretty good plan. And even though Higgins wasn't the main writer of either book, he did do a good job of characterization. Shockwave was as cold and calculating as ever. Optimus Prime is dead because that's what he does. He, <laughs> he dies. That's continuity. <laughs> that's continuity right there. Like, I mean, if it's a book, Optimus Prime gonna die. Cobra just, stays taking L's. I mean, like, I mean, as soon as like they even showed up in the, the Joe showed up in the air, like Cobra pretty much like, ah, save your time, Joe's. We'll crash ourselves. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Overall, it was a. I found myself spacing out a little bit reading it like checking my phone or something. And if I'm really engrossed in a comic book, I'll never do that. But it still was a pretty good book. It's an ambitious idea. And taking two universes and trying to find something in common with the two universes to try to make a coherent comic book, I think they did a good job. Jared, how about you? Thoughts on the story? Didn't read it. Well, cool. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Okay, thoughts on the story. This really hits a sweet spot. We're looking at early 1987. Probably hit the stands. You might have mentioned this earlier, the on-sale date. I don't remember, late 86, something like that. 
Yes. If you remember correctly, Transformers the movie has come out. I think G.I. Joe the movie is right on the heels of that. So I think Marvel's obviously doing a cash-in. They're like, G.I. Joe's hot, Transformers hot, movies are out, gotta get them together, put them in a book. Having said that, for a cash-in, which is alluding to pretty much what Delvin said, it's not bad. I thought it was good. It was entertaining. Like Jason said, it made me want to read the next book. Herb Trimpey on G.I. Joe. I mean, he's one of the original G.I. Joe artists. I'm a big fan of his work. So bringing Herb Trimpey in, great. The writer, not steeped in either one, but does a adequate job. So if he can do an adequate job and make me want to read the next book, it's fine by me. So I found the story to be, even though there's a lot going on, as you remember from my summary, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought for as much ground as he covered, I thought he did a good job. So I, I like this story. Very good. Pat? Delvin, I'm glad you asked. Man, Delvin's good at throwing at the pattern. <laughs> I like the pun that they wrote in there in the beginning, uh, where they're talking about putting Bumblebee back together, making Bumblebee, and who's that guy? Is that Crankcase? He says, there's more to this picture than meets the eye. <laughs> as he's yeah, looking at the... I like that too, yeah. yeah I think that was Crankcase. I think. Yeah. Well, at, at this point, we're all just going to agree it's Crankcase. Crankcase! Yeah. I think that's him. I know you like uh, that mainframe appearance. I'm going to steal your thunder. I know you like seeing mainframe in there. Who's that mainframe? Oh, yeah. Mainframe was one of the leads in putting it back together again. And there's a Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, it's mainframe. That's who it is saying that. It's oh, is mainframe. Oh, he the one who said it? Is he the one yeah. more than meets the eye? Yeah, mainframe is saying that. It's him and Crankcase are trying to put the thing back together, and then he's holding this pipe or whatever. Oh, I just thought, I know you're a big mainframe fan. I yeah. saw a little mainframe. I saw a little doubt. Oh, I like mainframe, yeah. So I knew that was the yeah, same my dial tones in here and my man dial tones in here living it up uh, a couple of things is jared kind of mentioned this hawk and the senator larkin what's going on with them like what the <laughs> he's got to get that defense fund money man <laughs> that's right man she appointed well, him to the subcommittee I, on tap that booty <laughs> i was gonna say well well pat when, when a guy and a girl like each other pat's gonna learn some stuff tonight <laughs> But I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And then they show them, you know, a few pages later, they're busy making out. And then they, you know, they get stopped because of the takeoff of the power station. She's like, oh, oh, what's that? Hawk's like, well, either you're the world's greatest kisser or so he totally like disses her. I would say that was a compliment. Yeah. I think it's a compliment. But something else is happening. So she's really not making the room shake. Well, he's he's confident. He's like either you're the world's like the whole room shaking. He's like either something's happening or you're the world's greatest kisser. You know, so uh, I, uh, was being, I thought it was a smooth uh, mood for General Hawk. I'm just like, whoa, this is weird. General Hawk I, reporting for booty a uh, duty. Duty. <laughs> <laughs> booty call. Looks like the cops meeting was about to start. <laughs> Because I thought, because she made a comment like before he leaves to like go into battle or whatever, she says, bring back what's mine. And I was like, oh, that's really touching. Like she's saying, you know, come back to me. And then I, later on, I realized she was meant uh, that super shuttle. I was like, oh, I never, I never got I that. Like, I thought she was, I was saying she uh, wanted to bring back his. No, yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I thought too. <laughs> come back to me is what I thought she said. I was like, oh, that's really touching. And then I was like, no, she was like, get your out there and go get that shuttle back. Soldier up, dude. Love making's over. Go find my shuttle. I don't know. That just I felt weird. You know, just like, oh, that's odd. Why is he all of a sudden? I'm like, oh, he's going to talk to this lady. I said, wait a minute. She invited him to a drink. Wait a minute. The door's clicking. Wait a minute. (laughs) Hawk. No. Hawks Hawks need love too. Come on. I know. I just (laughs) (laughs) see another thing on my note here is I love seeing Sir Panther. Man, have I missed him? Yeah. I haven't. I haven't read a lot of Sir Panther in a while, so I gotta. 
go back through my Joe Reen and get me some more Sapanter love. I really like that when he came out and they made him. Oh, man. Something about him just, he's cool. He's arrogant. I liked him. I liked the figure. I remember having the figure as a kid with the, what was his sled thing or his? He gave it the, cool yeah, he had the hover sled or whatever yeah. it was. He's just a cool guy, how he was built. I thought that was clever. Well, he was like as arrogant as Cobra Commander, but he was competent, too. There was always a sense of menace whenever Serpentor was in there, because he was dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know, Cobra could be almost laughable sometimes, but Cobra Commander, but with Serpentor, it's like, I don't know. Joe's could be in trouble. Yeah, I liked him. So that made me happy to see him. And, and it took me back down memory lane a little bit there. Also, I have Dr. Mindbender. Not only is this a G.I. Joe and a Transformer, but when Dr. Mindbender puts on a helmet, it brought me back to Mask. I'm like, oh, Dr. Mindbender is going to be part of the Mask team now because he puts that helmet on trying to control the plane. And it worked. He did a great job. Yeah. I know, a Cobra plan that works? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Big day at Cobra HQ. <laughs> they probably didn't even know what to do. They were like, I, I, it worked? <laughs> like the dog that got the car. <laughs> what do we do now? What do we do now? <laughs> I like seeing the vehicles in here. They show off a lot of different vehicles. I definitely like the Cobra Rattler. That is a cool and will always be a, a, a toy near and dear to my heart because I had one of those as well. It's very beat up, but I think I still have it somewhere. Other than that, I enjoyed the story. The Transformers, getting to know them a little bit more. I think last time I read Transformers was back for Crusader Chronicles that Delvin had us read. So I was happy to get back into seeing them again. Yeah, he had us read like the trade paperback, the collected 14 issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that brings me to like where they're on. They were on Cybertron then and the battle was yeah. going on there. They're fighting Unicron. Alpha's Prime died. <laughs> Does any of this story move into that environment or that series at all, Delvin? Uh, no. I'm trying to think of anything that would even tie. I'd say for the most part, no, because right now I'm even hard-pressed to remember how the Transformers wound up on Cybertron. Uh, again, I'm pretty sure that at some point they basically left Earth to go to Cybertron, but I can't remember how or how they were able to resurrect the Ark to do it. I'm, I'm drawing a blank at this time. Okay. I'm just wondering if anything, you know, through this little mini series came out of. Well, you know, there is one thing. Carried over. Um, Bumblebee was very much dead. <laughs> very much so. And he was resurrected eventually in the comic book as Goldbug. Goldbug. Uh, yeah, they sort of changed his face and how it looked. It looked a little bit wacky, but he still transformed into just a golden Volkswagen instead of just the canary yellow Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. And I think they like ramped up his power just a little bit. But he's Bumblebee. He never had much power to begin with. His job is spying anyway. So uh, I think that gold bug transformation takes part in this series, like in issue three or four. Nice. Very cool. Does anybody have anything else on the story? Otherwise, we'll move into story art. There was one thing else I wanted to add. One of the characters, Blackrock, that's a recurring Transformers character. He had been in the book before, and he was throughout the series. So it was kind of cool that G.W. Blackrock, who's kind of like a, I think, an oil magnate, was introduced in this storyline, too, because he was all over the American version of the Transformers. Is he the guy on the cruise ship? Yes. Oh, okay. I was wondering. Uh, they kind of oh, yeah. seemed like he was somebody, and I was like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, th- thanks for bringing that up. I was curious about that, too. Yeah, me too. I forgot to bring that up, too. 
Very good. Yep. Well, let's get into the story art. Let's start with Jared. What do you think about the story art? I'm a sucker for Herb Trimpey. I think he does a lot with very understated art. It's simple, but you never really have a question of who's doing what. He's a classic G.I. Joe artist. Having said that, have I seen him do better work? Yeah, I have. Maybe this book was a little rushed to make that movie kind of deadline thing we were talking about before. But still, any chance I get to see Herb Trimpey drawing the Joes is fine with me. It's not flashy, but I like it. And I think he does a real good job. And if you think about how much different subject matter he had to handle between Joes, Cobras, robots, you know, aircraft, military vehicles, a sinking cruise ship. Make out scene. Make out scene. You know, that's a lot to handle in one issue. And I think he got it done. So uh, kudos to Mr. Herb Trimpey. I liked it. But uh, let's find out what Jason thought. I agree with you. I think, of course, Herb's art is spot on, as they would say in Delvin's version of the comic. Uh, <laughs> there were a couple things in there that led me to believe that he might have been a little pressed for time. I noticed that there are a lot of panels where there are big close-in headshots. No backgrounds. <laughs> so there's not like a lot of background. Yeah, he avoided backgrounds a lot in this issue. And then the battle scenes, I thought they were done well. I don't really have any complaints against them. I just kind of wish that we would have had maybe some bigger panels with some more dynamic action. Maybe not necessarily a splash page, but everything seemed to be like thumbnail going through there. And so I thought, you know, a little more attention to the art, a little more spectacular action might have been called for there. But other than that, I mean, it, it's still solid. I'm just kind of splitting hairs at this point. It seems like it's good art, but Herb looked a little rushed here. All right, Delvin? As far as the story art, I thought it told the story. No, that's not like, you know, huge and <laughs> uh, earth shattering there, but it, it told the story and... Other than that, I am in agreement with uh, Jared and Jason. What do you think, Pat? I think the art in this does the story well, but not over impressive, I think, is the best I could say. Yeah, it just told the story. Trimpy art with the Joes was great. I could tell a Joe from a Joe. And the Transformers, I don't, not knowing them, maybe that's the problem is I think he, it was pulled off pretty good. Just not a lot to say on, on the art on this one. Let's get into Jared's segment where he likes to find out about the favorite page. All right, boys, you're strolling around Heroes Con, as we will be shortly. You see Mr. Herb Trimpey's got a table up, and you walk up to Mr. Trimpey. You say, hey, we just did a podcast on your episode. And he goes, I still have every original page from that book, and you can have one. What you going to take? Delvin. I'd take the cover. Does that count? You know what? I'll give it to you. Delvin's yeah. taking the cover. Because looking at most of the pages, there's no page that just stood out to me that I would want autographed and on my wall, with the exception of the cover. I'd put the cover on the wall, but not any individual page. Pat, I'm always passing it off to you. So, yeah, so <laughs> yep. I appreciate that. And I, yep. I do feel the same. I think just us talking about the art, I think we were just trying to find words to say about it on the That's interior. That's what we do. We find yeah. words to words say. To say. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and we make it a podcast about finding words to say. <laughs> we Next string time, enough finding words. words to say. Yeah. <laughs> we string enough That'll... words together to make a show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to record those words, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go with page 18. On that page is Serpantor, Mindbender. Uh, it's got a big close-up of some panther in his, his mask head. And then you have a rattler firing on the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I like that page. Little action, but I, I'm I liking it for Sapanther. That's the page I choose. I know it's not cool to make fun of Pat for his speech impediment, but I love the way you say Serpentor. Serpentor? Pantor? <laughs> <laughs> he wears pants. 
<laughs> when he puts his pants on, you call him sir. <laughs> I'm going to edit that part out, so you know, but I just thought it was what... Why would you edit that out? I'm not going to put in a show where I pick on you for a speech event. No, I go got ahead. a reputation to protect. No, don't cut that out. That's gold right there. <laughs> you can put the outtakes if you want. Sir Pantors? <laughs> That's gold. I think you're crossing between Serpentor and Panthor from He-Man. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying, too. Serpentor. Possibly Panthro. From Panthro. Oh. Jason, how about you? What panel would you choose? I think I'm going to land on page 14, the dogfight scene. I know there's no Transformers in there, but I really like Ace, and the dogfight scene looks pretty cool. I think I would hang Good that one. up on my wall. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. I think I would end up taking page one. Obviously, it's a splash page. It's got Superion on it. I don't know a lot about him, but I think it's a well-drawn robot. But mostly, even though they're very small, I, of course, love Snake Eyes, and he's on that panel. There's Scarlet. Mm-hmm. There's Mutt and Junk yard roadblock and then tiny tiny bottom right corner my favorite joe beachhead and i think that might be the only drawing of beachhead in this book but uh i will take herb trimpy drawing a three-quarter inch beachhead no problem because i love beachhead and so should you (laughs) very good let's get into the next part does this bring back any memories? And I think we've talked a little bit through some of them, but let's just kind of go through and see what everybody thinks. We'll start with Jared. Any memories? You know, I don't have memories of this miniseries. This miniseries came out right about the time Jason and I were heading to Germany. My father got stationed there. So unless Jason remembers something that I don't, I don't remember seeing this on shelves. I think I just missed it in the move, if you will. But obviously I have memories of this time, you know, 86, 86 when Joes and Transformers were just... I mean, Hasbro ruled the world. Their toys were just everywhere in the cartoons and the movies, and this makes total sense. So I actually didn't get my hands on this series itself till about three, four years ago. Picked it up at a pawn shop of all places. That's the first time I read it, and now just for the show. But that's what I got. Let's see if Jason has any memory corrections for me, since he was a little older. Yeah, I remember the series hitting the shelves, and like I said earlier, I kind of avoided it. It seemed kind of just a little too much for me. I thought that those were two things that should have lived in their separate universes, kind of like when... Marvel tried to bring in Godzilla into the real Marvel universe and things just kind of got silly. I just kind of avoided that. I still read G.I. Joe, but I didn't read Transformers and I just didn't really have any interest in it. But like I said, it turned out it was pretty good. And and since Delvin's been on the show, I've really uh, picked up my exposure to Transformers, as we've talked about. And it's good. And and you're absolutely right. These were the two, I'm going to guess these two and, and maybe Star Wars were the hottest toys on the market. At the time, these were giant, and I can see why they put them together. I guess, if anything, it stirs my memories of G.I. Joe, but I, I have come to appreciate Transformers now as well. I've ordered the whole set off of eBay, so I should come here anytime. <laughs> and and I, I will finish out the story because, uh, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. So what are your thoughts, Pat? My memories on this are kind of like yours. I remember the toys, the Transformer toys. I think I had, I definitely had more G.I. Joe toys than I had the Transformers because uh, I think they were a little more expensive, weren't they? You get a Joe guy they for a little. They were a lot more expensive, yeah. Yeah, Joe guy was cheap as opposed to like your cheapest transformer would be cars like a bumblebee or anything of that size bumblebee cliff jumper 
Well, those got like six dollars. Yeah. It's like the cheapest you get it for. But they were me- they were metal, weren't they? Or were they were, yes. were they metal? The toys? No, they were plastic. They were plastic. Okay. Mm. I thought they had a little metal in them, at least a some, little. Some of the G ones, I think, were. But yeah, some of the real early ones. But Delvin would know better than me. I I did going on a hazy memory. But yeah, there were remember. some metal. Like I think maybe Optimus Prime, maybe the original one. But I know yeah. they transitioned to plastic. Okay, that's about my the memories of the Joes. That brings back the biggest memory is the GI Joes for me and the toys. Delvin, how about you? What it made me think of was. Man, December 86, nine years old, and the only comic book I could have been collecting then was Transformers. So I wasn't fully aware of like many other comic books to include this one, or I probably would have gotten money or maybe I'm sure I had to see it in a grocery store or something because I used to always go to the grocery store. Oh, mom. And I sat there and read every comic book that was in the bin. I wish that I could dial back memories to precisely when I was in December of 86 to see if I was reading these issues because I don't recall them or reading them at the time. I just recall Bumblebee changing and think I remember hearing uh, later on, years later, that it was as a result of G.I. Joe and the Transformers uh, issue one where he was blown up or dismantled. I still don't think I've read that actually i just heard about it so i probably need to do a little bit of reading myself and i'll get acquainted with that series now 32 years old almost 32 years old all right well does anybody have any other thoughts on this issue happy anniversary pat (laughs) thank you well, with that, that brings us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter or Facebook page. We'll be right back. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel Superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. Welcome back from the break. Let's continue on with the show. Now it's time to scan through the ads of the featured issue of G.I. Joe and the Transformers number two for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. the ads that stood out to us in this issue. Let's go to Jason. What ad did you like? Well, Pat, I like the Amazing Spider-Man in the Free the Captain Mystery. It has two of my favorite things from the 80s, Spider-Man and Captain Crunch. And I'm... (laughs) 
<laughs> and unfortunately, I'm more of a raisin bran eater today than I am Captain Crunch. <laughs> it does take me back. So yeah, yeah, it has a pretty cool little seven panel spread where Spider-Man is trying to figure out how the Sogmaster captured Captain Crunch and he has to free Captain Crunch from the Sogmaster. So yeah, I think that's my favorite one. Free the Captain Crunch mystery. Now, let me ask you guys, out of the Captain Crunch's different flavors of Captain Crunch, what's your favorite? Your original Captain Crunch? Are you berry Captain Crunch? Or are you peanut butter Captain Crunch? Well, I won't kick any of them out of bed. <laughs> but <laughs> so you're in the aisle. Your wife says, Jason, it's your special day for this oh. second anniversary of the long box. <laughs> you get to pick. Oh, threesome, threesome. Oh, oh. <laughs> Threesome of Captain Crunch. <laughs> You're the captain. Aye, aye, sir. Got my threesome. Got my Cap Crunch, my Crunch Berries, there and the peanut butter. I guess if I had to choose, I would say the one with the Crunch Berries. All right. Delvin? Probably peanut butter. Peanut butter, is, it's hard to beat. I mean, you can't go wrong with Cap Crunch, but I, I go peanut butter. Jared? Much like my KFC, I'm an original man. Oh, okay. Boo. Oh, I see another Twitter poll coming. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna, the, the, the fans will hate. settle this. They'll still hate from the original folks. From, oh, you're oh, still back on the back on the KFC. Be careful with that KFC hate. You know we got yeah. we got bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I am a I'm with Delvin. I'm a peanut butter guy. There we go. Because there because go. you know the best thing was that once you're done that you had peanut butter milk flavor. Yes. That oh, is good, man. especially like, yeah, you can put it in your coffee. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Has it, let me ask you this. Damn, Jason's it to whole new levels. <laughs> has anybody done, like, mixed them? No. I thought that if I, you I, did I, that, like, there would, like, be this huge explosive force, <laughs> like, right. if you cross the streams. <laughs> My son's got one in the pantry now. It's Oops All Berries. Ooh. That's, that would be good. That that's, that's, good. that's good. I don't know. Yeah, the last time I had Captain Crunch was at your house, Jared, when I stole your son's Captain Crunch. You let me hear about <laughs> no it. No berries. <laughs> and Jason was like, we got a new box called No Cereal. <laughs> I think there's some grape nuts up in here somewhere. <laughs> well, Jason, obviously, he's the Sog Master. <laughs> Which is another great rapper name, by the way. <laughs> Sog Master. <laughs> Oh, well, Devlin, what ad stands out to you? Well, I remember Jason's ad very well. It was across a lot of comics. And the one that I picked out, Laser Tag, was across a lot of comics as well. I mean, I, I look at that and I absolutely do remember it. And to describe it for those at home, there are three uh, folks pointing up at a um, immortalized Laser Tag player who apparently had never taken six hits on his star sensor or star helmet. And he was never tagged out. And the guy was saying... So far, I haven't been tagged out either. And his friend was like, yep, well, your luck's about to change. So advertising the whole game of laser tag. This ad, by the way, was set in the year 3010 because they said at the bottom, will they be idolizing your statue in the year 3010? Now, I don't know whether or not uh, laser tag will be around in 3010. I can tell you in 1998 that Jared and, and I played a version of laser tag. 
Jared, being thrifty, got a, a laser tag knockoff from Big Lots. And we went around and we played the heck out of that in Haley Center. And once they kicked us out of Haley Center because there were classes going on, uh, we played laser tag off on know, the campus as well. You know, Jason joined us for a couple of those. Did you? Jason joined Jason us. And then, yeah. uh, and then our buddy, uh, Joyce. I remember one Grant came with us. And Grant must have been, what, was he about five? Probably maybe five, yeah. Five or six. And he couldn't have been any older than six. And we didn't have enough lasers for him. But we... We had gone to like a little fair or something, and I bought him this really cheap knockoff mm. laser for like a buck. And I mean, it was just loud and screechy loud. And, and we were playing in the Haley Center, if I recall. And of course, Grant wanted to be with his, teamed up with his uncle Jared. And so Jared was just getting the crap knocked out of him because Grant would just run down the hall just shooting this loud laser. And so we always knew where Jared was. <laughs> the laser didn't even work. He didn't, wasn't part yeah, of the system. Yeah, it didn't help Jared at all. And so Jared got tagged more than six times, I can, <laughs> I can tell you. And that laser, like, oh God, it was so loud and annoying. And one time I was giving Grant a bath and Grant. It's like, can I take my laser into the bathtub? And I was like, sure. <laughs> this shit in that. And then, of course, you know, it came out and he's all, oh, the laser's broke. I was like, oh, I wonder what happened. That's too bad. And I was like, well, we'll just let it sit out and dry. Maybe it'll work in the morning. And I'm like, oh, that thing's dead. And then the next morning, I hear, chew, 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 chew. he's like, hey, it works again. I was like, oh. This how this thing won't die. It's like a, it's like a haunted toy. <laughs> laser well, challenge, it though. Yeah, it was should. called laser challenge. <laughs> so I have to add the last part of it, the uh, last part of the story. Jared saying it was called laser challenge, and like my joke of it was like since it wasn't laser tag, that we should call it laser it. That's right. That's the proper response to that dead silence. Mm. The funny thing is, what? Go ahead, Jason. I'm trying to figure out laser it. Yeah, yeah, I'm lost. I don't get it. (laughs) Suck it, Williams. You can say suck it, but these are the only two people who never laughed at that joke. Everyone else always laughed at that joke. Okay. So I'm I'm a big proponent of if I have to explain the joke that that it's not funny. So I won't explain the joke. I don't think it's going to help if you explain it or not. It's just not funny. (laughs) Hey, I sold silver. <laughs> I sold silver hands to you bastard. I can sell well, silver funny. hands. Is funny. That was funny. Jared's time has finally come. Laser it. I don't get it. He's basically I, saying that like it's a generic version. So like oh. the like you know if you had why don't fake, you call it laser GI Joe? <laughs> if you had like fake GI Joes, I've always called them GI foes. Because yeah. see, see how it's kind of funny. No, that wasn't the joke. The oh, joke. No. The joke was. This, all these years, I thought that's what the joke was. GI foe no. was funny. The no. Joe, that was the, funny. The joke was because, like, I mean, the game of tag. Oh, you're it. Oh, is also called it. Is it where? Nowhere. Well, I, I, I did. I, I have to realize I'm talking from you know to Wisconsin boy and army folks who are for nowhere. So yeah, but we would say tag your it. It was also called. I promise you. You know what? In the yeah. South, they call tag it. Sometimes. Why not call it Pennywise? That's fine. Just call it Pennywise. You know what we're doing? Anybody want to join us on Saturday at Heroes Con? We're going to be playing tag. And we're going to see 
whether you call it take or you call it it. You can call it both, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I can't believe I've had that joke wrong all these years. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not totally wrong, because you're basically saying it's an alternate name, and that's kind of the joke. Like, it's an alternate name. That's yeah. a similar. Anything else, Delvin, on your please take? No, we we, we have completely <laughs> run. Oh, I'm, edit- every- I'm editing all that out, so. You you should as well. You should. Oh, well. Um, so I, I will I will graciously you know tag <laughs> Jared and uh, have him read his ad. Ah, all right. Don't you mean you're gonna it, Jared? <laughs> you can suck it. How about that? <clears throat> anyway, why thank you, Delvin. My ad is near the back of the book somewhere around page 20. It's a big ad, full page, for those classic comics. When I say classic, I mean like classics illustrated style. Like they have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Dracula, Moby Dick, Red Badge of Courage, 20,000 Leagues, that kind of thing. I like the ad because the art they use in the ad is very nice. They have, I think it's actually Dr. Jekyll who's saying, as seen on TV, a spectacular offer, 50 comic classics, now only fourteen ninety five. And while I'm like, man, this art looks good, and 50 classics in comic book format, $15? Yeah, I'd buy that. That's really cool. I don't know where it was seen on TV. <laughs> but did anybody ever see an ad for this on television? Nope. Oh. All right. So apparently Academic Industries is just full of crap about their TV appearance. But however, the art does it, look really Maybe cool. it's PBS or something we weren't watching. Yeah. <laughs> Some highfalutin like PBS. Yeah. Well, I know. Guys, in in the South, I think they aired the commercials on IT TV. Uh, makes sense. <laughs> that, yeah. That's where it is. Okay. Yeah, so it's where you want to be and where you want to watch. I just remember watch. seeing those ads and going, my teachers can't make me read this stuff. My comic book publisher sure isn't either. Oh, man, you went the other way on that, because I was like, well, if I'm supposed to read it, why not comic book form? I think I would rather have some of these books, novels turned into comics. I mean, you look at it, there's some good ones, the, the Great Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. No, yeah, I mean, as an adult looking at it today, I definitely I would jump on it. I'm just saying as a kid, when I was reading comics, I was like, if I have on my table to my left my Amazing Spider-Man and right Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, we have Amazing Spider-Man's getting read. <laughs> Particularly Mary Jane's in the book. You know it. <laughs> Hounds of the Baskerville. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I wish I had all these now. They got a, yeah. they got a great list. 64 yeah. pages each. Yeah, 15 bucks. I mean, even, how many did you say? It was 50? 50. That's, yeah. That's like $2 a book. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they need some math. <laughs> like some we math said, this was probably well. advertised on PBS. <laughs> it TV. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pat. Which ad stood out to you? My ad that stood out to me is the M&M's ad. Uh, it's got packs of fun for everyone. Either you got the plain M&M's or your peanut M&M. And they have little, you know, the little M&M guys, orange, yellow, brown, and green. And they're just some different little M&M guys. One's a karate M&M guy. And they got, he's got some chucks on. Basketball guy. He got snooping. I thought, yeah, I thought he was breakdancing. Which guy? The breakdancer guy? Yeah, oh, he, he could be. karate. I thought he was Oh, oh yeah. Maybe he is a breakdancer. Yeah, he's got a headband and some breakdancing gloves there. There we go. I look, he looked karate to me. I could see that. Oh, got an M&M guy wearing a watch, a skateboard guy, green 
That'd be my guy, skateboard guy. Oh, yeah, skateboard guy. You got a peeping Tom Eminem guy with his uh, <laughs> binoculars. But yeah, I like this. M&M's, you know, they always say the milk chocolate melts in your mouth, but not in your hands. Absolutely. So, I see these M&M's now. It reminds me of the California grapes. Oh, yeah, too. the California raisin yeah. guys. Yeah, I like those little figures. Remember back then they had they made those little figurines, and that was a craze for a while, too. I dressed but, up as one for Halloween. Did you? I did. Very interesting. So the question is, you guys, are you a plain or are you a peanut person? Let's go to Jared. Ultimately, I like the peanut butter ones, but they didn't exist at this time. Oh, so. those are good, too. Yeah. yeah, the peanut butter ones are legit. Oh, have I mean, you tried the caramel ones? Reese's Pieces, though. That's no, pieces. I haven't tried the caramel ones yet. Oh, man, those are Oh, good you too. say Reese's Pieces? Yeah, I guess Reese's Pieces were the original peanut butter ones. But. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm a peanut guy. I, I'm in a minority. I prefer plain. plain. All but right. not original recipe chicken? What kind of topsy-turvy world are we living in? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you just stick to your food, Jared. Just shut up. Jason? I like the peanuts. I will agree with you as well, too. I'm a peanut guy. I'll eat the plain. If I have to, I'll eat them. But let's have a bonus question. Bonus round. When you eat them, do you eat them in a certain color pattern? Oh, God, no. 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 No, my hand becomes a shovel <laughs> and my mouth becomes a hole. And that, <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's a no from Delvin as well? Yes. It's a no, I no, I just eat them. No, no particular order. All right. Maybe sometimes if it's just me, I would separate them out. Once you get down to the end, you start I would separate them out and okay, I got three greens and I got two reds, I got one orange. Okay, I'm gonna even them out, so I'll eat a green and then I'll eat a red and then uh, maybe I got a problem. So you're saying you're a serial killer? That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look no further. We found him. All right. Well, then I guess it's I will, just me. I'm that just, crazy. I will say this, though. I'll see if Jason remembers this. When we were kids, my mom sent off enough proof of purchases. We must have been eating the hell out of some M&Ms. She got us M&M backpacks. And oh, I remember right. which ones we had. One of us had peanut. One of us had plain. And they looked like packets of M&Ms on your back. But it was a oh. backpack for school. So I rocked an M&Ms backpack. So did Jason. I don't remember which of us had which. Maybe Jason. I don't remember it. Either. I didn't even remember that till you just brought it up. I don't know. Very cool. I'm sure you got the one you wanted and I, I got stuck with whatever. <laughs> the one that I had had like six or seven new G.I. Joe figures in it. When she I know. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a Sky Striker in there. <laughs> So you got the Sky Striker for Christmas. Do I need to tell the story to the listeners again? Um, no, you can tell it on, on the G.I. Joe podcast because we, we talked about it. I don't know if you listened to the latest headcast, but we did discuss your feelings about Christmas and G.I. That was bullshit is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anybody have anything else on the ads? Don't eat your M&Ms like a weirdo. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, with that, do you got a comment or question on these ads? Let us know. Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Facebook or Twitter page. Now, let's continue on with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? December 1986. Now, here's some major news that was happening back in December of 1986. On December 1st, Paul McCartney releases Only Love Remains. Does anyone know that song? I do not. Something's ah. coming to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll bet it's one of those if we heard it, we'd be like, oh. Uh, well, here it is. But knowing me, I want you back again. 
is all that stays Only love remains Oh, yeah. oh. okay I like the part where he was like singing and the part with like the drums Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you know he kind of you know did those words Damn it, I'm sitting here going, where are they looking at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you were legitimately, oh my God. I was like, what? He's like, here it is. I was like, God, what, do you send it in an email? Or <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> Sometimes we play act on the show. Oh, you just geez. got played. Uh, okay, who's... I have one, and I said I was going to do one, and I switched it up. I'm doing another. Uh-oh. Plot Ooh. twist. The 52nd Heisman Trophy Award was given to Vinny Testaverde, quarterback at the University of Miami, Florida. He went on to play football for a very long time in the NFL. He played to his 40s. He was old. All right. Next up, on December 17th of 1986, American Mafia hitman Richard Kuklinski is arrested at a roadblock. So they caught that contract-killing son of a <laughs> On December 19th, Michael Sergio, who parachuted into Shea Stadium during Game 6 of the World Series, is sentenced to 100 hours of community service and fined $500. He was quoted as saying, worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, 100 hours of community service and $500 to parachute into Game 6 of the World Series. Shea Stadium, that's the Mets, right? Mm Yes. I think he served that sentence as a shortstop for many years to follow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry Mets fans, I just know that... They haven't been good since, like, 86. Well, with that, that's going to be some of the, just our quick highlights of some of the major news. Yeah, not much for, going on. Not nah. much going on. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely not a lot going on of, of at least really good interest. So with that, let's see what was going on with the movies. What was being released in December of 1986? First up, I'll go is December 1st. You have the Mosquito Coast. Oh, I want to go second. You are second. Oh, good. Because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Heartbreak Ridge. Go ahead. I, mean, I wasn't even finished with mine yet, but Jason, you <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, sorry. I was really excited. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead there. No, I you, got, you I got go, go ahead, Fish. No, Harrison, Harrison Ford. I've never seen it. That's what I was trying to remember is there was something about this movie I remember, and Harrison Ford, you just jogged my memory. Thank you. And you can and, now go uh, ahead. River Phoenix, too, right? Wasn't River Phoenix in that one? Take your what? word for it. I think so. I think so, yeah. Go ahead, All Jason. right. Oh, I've been on edge. This is one of my favorite He's movies. so excited. He loves this movie so much. I do. I love this movie. Heartbreak Ridge, Clint Eastwood, Mario Van Peebles. Oh, such great lines. Make life takers and heartbreakers out of them. Great movie. I think I've seen that. It raked in $43 million thereabouts. I saw it in the theater with Jason, and I f- believe your friend John was visiting. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Great that was movie. a great movie. Oh, oh, yeah. oh I was going to ask you if you ever saw it. No. No? Maybe? I don't know. Never mind. I retract the question. What's the next movie? <laughs> Any man that wore stripes has to see that movie. That's a, it's a great movie. Uh, I just chalk it up to yet another 80s movie that I, I didn't re- see. That, that, I remember. that Miranda probably saw and was like, oh, you didn't see that one either? <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, we would watch it as my dad, he was a Marine, so any uh, war movie, service movie like that, he would watch. And I remember, I didn't go see it, but it was probably on like HBO or Showtime, something like that. 
Oh, that one's all about Marines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Raise your chin higher. Jason gets it. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> you get back in formation, or I'm going to kick your ass off this fucking planet. <laughs> That's a great line, dude. So I'm going to move on before we get to the bridge. The next movie uh, is a comedy called Crimes of the Heart that made uh, almost $23 million. What the heck is Crimes of the Heart? I think uh-huh. it's when we have two friends and one friend invites you to a Dungeons & Dragons game. Moving on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the other two friends are left out. Oh. <laughs> I cracked myself up. <clears throat> hey, I got a good one. The $80 million award winner action comedy Eddie Murphy vehicle The Golden Child what a great movie I, I, I want the, the knife <laughs> please I saw that movie in the theater that was a good oh, movie yeah? I yeah. think that was another one I kind of missed in the transition as we moved to Germany but I definitely saw it on VHS once we got yeah. it I remember seeing that one in the theater great very good next on the list from December 12th is The Three Obigos we are the three <laughs> we are the three. <laughs> My little buttercups. All right, moving on to December 19th. King Kong lives. I want to watch King Kong Liz, but I can't because Melvin Smiley's been too busy to bring it back. Well, 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 look who comes crawling back, Melvin Smiley. Ooh, late charges. Sorry. That's going to cost you. <laughs> we talking about a totally different movie that references this movie. <laughs> I forgot that that was the movie that he had. <laughs> Hey, am I am I up? I got a pretty good one. Jason never really got to finish. <laughs> he said oh, King Kong lives. Yeah, said, King yeah, Kong lives. Oh, okay. I thought I cowboyed right through that. I'm sorry. Pretty good one out here. Little Shop of Horrors, a musical. I made $38,747,000. I remember seeing that movie. Feed me, baby. Feed me, Seymour. Well, this is a watershed moment in our friendship because that is an 80s movie that everybody knows that I've never seen. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. I, I've seen the original, but I've never seen the musical remake. Yeah, With, Rick, uh, Rick Moranis. Moranis. Yeah, I was going to say Rick Moranis. Wow. Yeah, I got to see it, man. It's on my list. Put that on your list. Roger that. Next up was a movie that ranked in about $12 million called No Mercy. It rings a vague bell, but I got, nothing's popping in my brain. You could have lied and said Jean-Claude Van Damme starred in it, and I would have believed you. Uh, Seagal and Van Damme were in it, and yeah, they fought Bruce Willis. And- oh, <laughs> awesome. That movie. No mercy. I don't remember, but it rings a vague bell. And like I said, it, $12 million, it did okay, but I don't remember. Kim Basinger was in it. Oh, okay. Mm. On the next on the list, another movie that came out on December 19th was Platoon. That grossed, ooh, that grossed a lot of Holy money. That was crap. a big grossing movie. <laughs> wow. Wow. Did Over okay. 100, yes, yes. 137, oh, 138,000- Million. Try again. Mil- billion? <laughs> million. Million. All right, sorry. Oh, yeah. If it made yeah, 137 yeah. billion. I'm good with numbers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. $137 billion, Oliver Stone now lives on the moon. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> 
I distinctly remember my dad telling me, son, we can take you to piano lessons or we can go watch Platoon. (laughs) (laughs) A a conversation made by literally every family in America uh, to make $138 billion. That had uh, that I watched it not too long ago, and I didn't realize how many people were in that. the The cast of that oh, yeah. movie was huge. Willem Dafoe, Tom Berenger. It had Johnny Depp was in there. Forrest Whitaker. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. I mean, it was a huge cast. It was a, a good big time for like you know war movies. Yeah, particularly Vietnam war yeah. movies were yeah. really big during that time. But I was teaching for the Air Force up in Montgomery. One of my students was Vietnamese, and he immigrated here and became a military officer. And he was an extra in the movie in the scene where they're leaving the village, and Forrest Whitaker's carrying a kid on his shoulder. He was the kid on Forrest Whitaker's shoulder. <laughs> so that was kind of neat. Oh, that is kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, moving on to Christmas Day, December 21st, 21st, 25th. <laughs> it was December 24th. And 25th. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I need you to refer to your Bible, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that the Bible contains it December 25th. I, don't, I actually don't think it does. <laughs> it does not. Uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs, which the name rings a bell, but I can't. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. Um, that's uh, one of those Neil Simon, and I want to say it's got Jonathan Silverman in it. Okay. I want to say well, so, too. I think you're right on that. Yeah. Made $12 million. Yeah. I know that much. Hmm. That's all I know. Next movie is The Morning After, a thriller suspense. Made $25 million bucks. Got nothing. Nope. I got nothing on that. got to be a morning after. I was saying, don't say a prayer for me now. Save it till the morning after. Hold on, boys. On December 31st, a horror movie called Witchboard came out. This board. Witchboard? This board. (laughs) Hang on. I'm going to try and say it's scary to see if this scares you. Witchboard. Ah, there we go. (laughs) I've never heard of it, and it made almost seven and a half million bucks probably took like 55 bucks to produce it which is why people keep making well horror films are cheap to make and if you get a they are like halloween or friday 13th and you are money 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 but that's it for the films boys let's get into some music uh we're doing the top three songs according to billboard from december 1986 so what song came in at number three slot, Pat? Well, Jared, the number three song is Hip to Be Square by Huey Lewis and the News. I picked up, uh, I was at a library sale, and I picked up the Huey Lewis and the News Greatest Hit CD. That's like a no-brainer for a quarter. Oh, yeah. I mean, geez, man, just put it on a play. It's fun times. When when you asked them the price and they said it was a quarter, you said, this is it? (laughs) (laughs) And then they said, I want a new drug. <laughs> I'm going to say only by the power of love. I simply said, bonded, dip, 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 doo wop. 
People say it's good for me, but I don't even uh, care. Can we just move on? To <laughs> Who's got number two? I guess I've got number two. Uh, it, it's a <laughs> it's a band and an album that's close to my heart. Bon Jovi's "You Give Love a Bad Name." And you're too plain. You give love a bad name. song today and people would still rock out to it you oh, know yeah, i like yeah. the number one song which is a pretty good song but yeah the oh, number yeah. one song was the next time i fall by peter satara with amy grant anybody got anything on that? i need to re- refresh on that i think it's like the next time next I fall, time i fall Something like that. (laughs) You give love a bad name. Bad name. Uh, We might have completed two things there. Uh, that brings us to the end of this part of the show. Got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at Longbox Crusade. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, and I'm also the art director over at White Rocket Books. Quick question. What do you get when you take a fast-paced Alistair McLean novel, put it in a blender with a Star Trek DVD, and some G.I. Joe figures? I'm pretty sure you get award-winning sci-fi novelist Van Allen Plexico's first foray into the world of comics, a new comic miniseries based on Plexico's novella, Cold Lightning. Cold Lightning is a small part of Plexico's expansive space opera series of novels called The Shattering. Now, real quick, I want to give a quick heartfelt thank you to all the folks who helped us reach our crowdfunding goal over on GoFundMe. We are so excited to get this comic series underway. Now, depending on when you hear this ad, we're either still working away on this space adventure or it may be available already. The best way to find out is to head over to whiterocketbooks.com and see what the latest is. While you're there, you can look into all the novels of the Shattering series or Plexico's very popular Sentinels novel series. There's plenty to see, so come check us out. Once again, that's whiterocketbooks.com. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we would normally share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. 
We are currently working to revamp our recording schedule so we can do the comments section at the same time we record each new episode. For this segment, I will be just going over the social media likes, shares, and retweets. Thanks for your understanding as we work to streamline this process. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show. Now let's get into the social media likes, shares, and retweets from the last Longbox Crusade episode. We have El Sadano, Bob Buster, Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, let it roll, Clinton Robinson, Coffee and Comics, Dave Maynard, Dave Collins, DCOCD, Derek William Crabb, for the non-discerning reader, Fred Reads Comics, Gene Hendricks, Jerry Green, Gord Toten, H-O-C-O-F, Jerry McMullen, Joe Crawford, Justice Trek, the podcast, Ken Solo, Kurt Spencer, Laurel at Mountain Flower One, Lost in Time, Martin Gray, Max Traver, Michael S. Massey, sorry I just butchered that, Mike Peacock, thank you Mike, we're proud to have you listening, Moby One, Paul Hicks, Rad Adventures, Reggie Hancock, and Reggie Reggie, Rolled Spine Podcasts, Ross Michelle Michelle, Old School Ross, Ruth Sutherland, Ryan Daly, Scott X, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Schizoid, The Uncanny Abel P- Bazilla, Tim Price, Trucker Talk. Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, and shares. We appreciate your friendship and support in spreading the word of this podcast. And that is the second anniversary extravaganza, folks. We're so glad that you've ridden with us for two years here at the Long Box Crusade, starting with Pat all by himself, lonely with a mic, to Pat just driven to the brink of insanity with his crew. <laughs> Guys, we love doing this. And the fact that you tune in and listen really means something to us. So we really appreciate it. Warm yes. to Tommy Feathers. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two years, Pat. This was your brainchild. Congratulations on two years. I'm proud to have been a part of the last year and change. And I'm looking forward to doing many many more many weeks months <laughs> maybe a month or two hours <laughs> couple hours, <laughs> couple hours. <Maybe> tomorrow <laughs> but now seriously big ups to pat proud to be oh, part of you. it um yeah everybody thank you for that hey, thank you thank you thank you well that's the Appreciate show it. shut up pat that's the show oh. uh, before- <laughs> i'll just sit in the corner eating my cake <laughs> you just talk to your microphone but mute it okay and that's the show but before we go let's find out where the listeners can find each and every one of us on the internet because i know you're all clamoring to reach out to us and wish us a happy second anniversary and since he always has to go last and since this is his official second anniversary at long box crusade pat where can you be found well jared i'm glad you asked and i do thank you and our listeners for helping us make this little bit of show into a fun entertaining time that i love to do each and every time we podcast together. I I really look forward to podcasting with you guys and the other guests and podcasting friends we have out there and listeners as well too. I just thank you guys so much for the over the last two years. I've come a long way and that's all due to everybody else, the listeners and you guys on the show. So I do appreciate Jared, Jason and Delvin for helping me out with this. Without this, I don't think we'd be doing what we do. So I I do appreciate it. You guys have become very, very good friends of mine. I just got back. I was peeing. (laughs) That's what I missed. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, we love you too, Pat. We do uh, emotions you too, with humor. Uh, <laughs> what? 
if you want to become my friend, because obviously there's a new spot openings on someone. <laughs> you can find me out on the Twitter at Christatos01. Otherwise, you can also follow me, too. I'm still playing Candy Crush, so come and find me and play with me. I'm still looking for Peter David. Maybe he might join me on the Candy Crush. So that's at Christatos as well. Delvin, where can people find you? First, I want to apologize. I don't really feel like I did uh, as good of a job on this episode as I should, you know. But next time, I... never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you I gave the me, show Delvin. a bad, a bad. Hi, you can find me on the Twitter tweets at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. As always, come talk to me. Give a congratulations about the second anniversary and I will say thank you and I would appreciate that. Jason, where can we find you, sir? Thanks, Delvin. And thank you, Pat, for uh, letting me tag on to this show. I have a great time doing it. You give me a chance to hang out with my brother and get to know my brother's friend more and get a new friend in Wisconsin. I actually have a friend in Wisconsin now. So that's exciting. I got a Um, friend in Washington. Yeah, we're we're spreading out. We're going to take over America here before too long. But yeah, so if people want to find me, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason.Albrick on Facebook and Jason Albrick on Instagram. And I think that just leaves Jared. Where can we find you, Jared? You can find me on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist. You can find me on Facebook, also Yard Sale Artist. You can definitely check out some of our other podcasts we do on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, which is our James Bond show. And then, of course, right here on the Crusade Cast Network, we're rocking Saturday Matinee Theater, Crusader Chronicles, and you are currently listening to Longbox Crusade. That's all the wonderful places you can find us. Congratulations again to Pat. Two years, man. Two <laughs> years. That's right. Jared, I think before we go, why don't you tell us where you can pimp out your comic book? Why, thank you, Pat. If you're interested in checking out my comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, you can hit me up for that on any of the social medias that I'm on directly. No problem. I will sell to you direct. Or if you don't really trust my shadiness, you can purchase it on eBay, where a percentage of the profits goes to the Christopher Reeve Paralysis Foundation. Or if you're more of a digital person, it is available on Kindle for the low, low price of $3.99. Why wouldn't you do it? Hamilton versus Burr, a werewolf tale. Thanks for letting me run my mouth about that, Pat. Oh, sure. Not a problem. It's a good comic book. Go ahead and check it out, folks. And uh, Jared, if they get it, will you sign a copy? Oh, you know I will. I will sign a copy. And I have a few original sketch cards left from the artist on the book, Nate Niles. Great guy. Nate did a hundred sketch cards, original art sketch cards for me when we first finished the book. And about halfway through those. So if you want an original sketch card and an autographed copy, move quickly. Supplies are running out. That's right. Call now. Supplies are limited. We have operators standing by. Well, with that, I want to thank everybody for listening to this very special two-year anniversary episode of The Longbox Crusade. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll continue on listening. So, you got a comment or question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Facebook or Twitter page. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to find out what's in what's your, your longbox. Two more years. What's in your longbox?
We've already said that about 12 times. Songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Hello, can you hear me? Who is this? Is me. Dr. Doom? Is me. Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> hey, hey, it's Dr. Doom. I found the dongle. There it is. Jason, perhaps if you lost a little weight, maybe you can find your dongle easier. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen my dongle here. You're on fire over there. That's because I got you guys to bring me up. You lit me up <laughs> so I can fly a mountain. Oh, I boy. I liked it better when he was depressed. <laughs> you lit me up so I can walk overseas. I actually heard... Uh, personally, from Mr. Holmes today. Mr. Who? When Mr. Paul I Hicks. Am shut, shut up, Peppy. <laughs> Paul Hicks. Paul Hicks DM'd me and said he liked our show. I liked it, I. Yeah, I liked like, it. Like, I liked it a lot. He's like, good on you. I liked it a lot. So he was like, hey, man, you yeah. guys cracked me up. And I was like, couple of idiots doing a show. You so lift me up. <laughs> <laughs> when I can't find my dongle. <laughs> You crack me up when I'm dropping a deuce. <laughs> That's the, everybody's in the joke zone tonight, but me, I'm not landing any jokes. Uh, these, I'm not either. I'm too tired. Man. I still haven't woken up yet. Jason's like just out of a slumber, and he's already, you know, at least hitting B plus jokes here. Double's in the A plus range, and I'm like, uh, did you find your dongle yet? I did find my dongle. Oh, it doesn't sound like it. I found it. Did you get your headset on? Oh, I haven't pulled it. Uh, you put on. the dongle you gotta, in you the slot. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'll put it on now. <laughs> I've also noticed that every time I change pens when I'm drawing, it'll make this noise. I don't know if you heard mm-hmm. that, but man, it comes through on the recording. A little, just that little click. Yeah, clicks in the and my chips. <laughs> Your chip. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, he went to town on a bag of chips, you guys. Probably hungry. I mean, he went to town. I can, you know how you can tell? You can tell by sound whether someone's eating them one at a time or just cramming handfuls in their mouth. <laughs> Who eats them one at a time? <laughs> My brother's in the zone. I caught Pat up the other day, but I don't know if I've had a chance to talk to you fellows. When when do you have time to catch Pat up, you son of a <laughs> uh, we were in a, in a dungeon oh, where I had plus six charisma. You had minus six loyalty, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason's in this. Oh. Like, Go back to sleep, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Woke me up for my nap. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, issues. Oh, we've now, got issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I laugh? <laughs> Thank you, Delvin. <laughs> it's so easy. Oh, my God. I, I was laughing, too. I just was on mute. <laughs> okay. Prepare yourself. Delvin Williams is not afraid to die. Sorry. A Prepare yourself. Mortal Kombat! Kano! Kano! Not helping Delvin get Scorpion! Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. 
Wow. Raiden. That we we all right, moving on. <laughs> I got I got that C D. I did too. CD's that techno nuts. mix one? Yeah. Me, me too, yeah. By the Immortals. Yeah, that's a good song. Heck yeah, it's a great CD. Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> we should move on right after I say, Whoa, Chinese Ninja Warrior. <laughs> with your heart so cold. Sub-Zero. Zero. <laughs> Whoa, your life <laughs> is a mystery. Warrior with a mask. All right, let's do this. I'm gonna do, I'll do M&M's. Bum, 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 bum. Hey, bye. You got one shot, Pat. One opportunity. I can't. I'm trying to um, space it out on that song now. You gonna capture it? We'll let it slip. Don't, 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 don't. I'm lost there. Can't remember the lyrics. You better lose yourself. His palms are sweaty. Knees weak. There's vomit on his sweater already. Palms spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready. Drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what, what he wrote down. down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth and the words won't come out. He's choking, choking now. Everybody's joking now. Yeah. The clock's run out. Time's, Time's up. up. Over. Out. Wow. Snap back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's do this. Let's go. Do a lot. I'm still trying to find something. That's what happens tonight. Some of us just do it live. Ooh. Ooh, some of us don't, so shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Taps back. Taps back. Oh, man. There's really nothing there. P is for procrastination. <laughs> we hope you come along with us on the crusade to read them all. What's in your long book? Oh, oh, yeah. I got <laughs> so it. So, get my six more turn. <laughs> oh, no. It's four pipes. Wait, where are we meeting up? Two twenty one B Baker Street. Of course. <laughs> uh, let me do that part again. 